Welcome to Simply Us. Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Sue. And we want to welcome you to episode 20 of the Simply Us podcast. Now, this is our last episode before we take an amazing long summer break. Yay! And we will be back fully refreshed in the fall and ready to share with you all the things that we've been learning and talking to God and talking to each other about. But today, for episode 20, we have a very special guest, Alyssa, our sister and daughter. Many of you might remember her from episode 5, and I believe she was on one more episode, but welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. What has happened to you, or what's been going on in your life since we last chatted with you? Well, I had another baby. Yay, baby! (laughs) Baby Cade. He's four months. I mean, Four months old. Yeah. He's doing good. He's chill. He sleeps. Yeah. Smiles. What's life like being a mother of four? Busy. <laughs> Sit down <laughs> at night. And, and fall asleep immediately? Yeah. I have no problem falling asleep. <laughs> he's so cute. He Number eight grandchild for us, and we're pretty happy and feel very I blessed. I know. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So we wanted to add Alyssa to this episode and her input because she's actually an avid listener of our podcast. (laughs) And she listened to the last few episodes about having an undefendable heart and reconciliation and came to us with some really awesome questions. And we thought if she's having these questions, maybe you as a listener might be having some similar questions too. So in this episode, we are going to answer a few I think four of her questions. Right. Yeah. And we're, we just, we so hope that this is helpful, helpful for you all. And just remember, you guys, if you have questions, we would be happy to connect with you about them too. So please feel free to drop us a message via email or direct message us. Yeah. So because it's always good to hear feedback. And we love that we have a feedback person so close to us. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> she's good. So, I never think my questions are going to come out on here, but here we go. <laughs> and thank you for being willing to do this. We know yeah. you don't always want to, but you do <laughs> it for us. And we it's really such a good heart. Yes. And a good sport. So what's your first question, Alyssa? Give it to the listeners. All right. So I was thinking a lot about my past relationships, and it got me wondering, can you get to a point where when someone offends you, it doesn't even phase you? Like truly becoming completely unfazed and unoffendable. And when I was like thinking about this question, the thought that came to my mind or the picture was an arrow hitting a knight's armor, but missing the heart entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I believe we can, that we actually can. That's not to say that we don't still feel the sting of it, but you'll get better at recognizing the bigger picture when it happens so you won't fall um, for the enemy's scheme and tactic to get you to slip into your false and react. So I believe that that picture of the arrow hitting the armor and missing your heart is exactly what being unoffendable is. We'll still feel the blow, but it won't penetrate deep inside and kill us. Yeah. And I was on a walk a few days ago and had your question kind of in the back of my mind. 
and I had just put in a fresh new audiobook and I was literally listening to the introduction when this author used a word picture that I felt like went perfectly with your question. And your topics were kind of similar in a roundabout way, but she compared her growing and her faith faith and and she was being kind of offended in her lack of offense as practicing playing the piano, which reminded me of you, the <laughs> piano player of the family. Yay, you know, once long ago. Oh, to fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but she compared her uh, her practicing this unoffense and growing in her faith with the piano and she had this beautiful description that I got totally wrapped up in her words but what really came down to was she was enjoying every moment of learning to play a piece of music even the mess ups the difficult parts until one day she realized she's playing and her hands are just flying over the keys and she doesn't even have to think about the music it just comes from muscle memory um, and she knows it completely by heart And I felt like it was the same in living in your true self and being unoffendable is that, yes, you're going to struggle. We're going to fluff out. We're going to mess up a piece that's really difficult or really hard or a relationship that's really difficult or really hard, but it's not forever. And there's this hope that one day our keys will be flying across, our fingers will be flying across the keys and we'll be playing from heart without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And couldn't that be cool if that's what our relationships or living in our true self were like? Yeah, that's what I want. That makes a lot of sense. So keep practicing. That's <laughs> what I hear. But okay, so in one of my past relationships, I had I had a person that was like constantly offended by. Like I felt like it was a cycle of being hurt or offended, taking it to God, asking for forgiveness, then feeling like I was in a good place with them, but then again they would hurt me and having to go back to God about it just over and over and over again. And honestly, from what you just mentioned, I know it can take time to get it right, but the process of becoming completely offendable is quite tiring and kind of annoying <laughs> i mean unoffendable unoffendable right? yeah right. yeah <laughs> and yes it it's can just... be annoying and tiring <laughs> agreed <laughs> yes <laughs> but it also can make you feel like a failure because you're constantly like waiting for the cycle to start over again and am i going to get offended oh i did this time and it's, it's hard to have things bounce off of you mm-hmm. it is so hard and I, I had been going to therapy personally, and my therapist just talked about something that when I read your question, it immediately connected with me. And she said there are relationships that have unhealthy cycles. There's three things you can do in it, and you have three choices to make. You can keep it the same and continue to, like, wait to be offended and, you know, the vicious cycle you just mentioned. You can change it like say like okay I gotta do something so this relationship cycle changes or you can leave the relationship and I think whatever relationship you were in in the past or if you can look forward to the present and who or I mean the future what I really came away with in my conversation with her is like I have the power to decide how I want this relationship like I'm not a victim to this relationship I'm not a victim to feeling like a failure all the time I have I have the power to decide how I want this next part to go and I think it would be good to for you I mean talking to your past self 
to invite, or if you as a listener are in a relationship where you're feeling the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say like us right now, currently, what's your wisdom? How do we, so what, what do we do? I would we get invite to God. Yeah, we get to choose. And I, I would say, invite God into helping you make this decision and say, okay, we need to, do I stay and break the recurrent relationship cycle and ask God exactly how, what changes you can make in the relationship, what conversations you need to have, what boundaries you need to put up. And honestly, if you're here and you're like, oh, I need to make this decision, but I'm really at a loss, I would seek out an awesome therapist because now you can see them virtually these days. Or if you're like not into therapy yet and you don't think you're there, find some wise counsel, someone you know you can trust to talk about the unhealthy cycle you're experiencing in a relationship and how to navigate. Because sometimes an outside perspective really helps. That's, uh, yeah, that's a good thought. Um, I think in that one, it was one I couldn't uh, step away from. Mm -hmm. I couldn't leave that specific one that I was thinking about. And Mm -hmm. I guess that's the struggle. I wish I wanted the relationship to change, but I knew I can only work on myself. Right. But at the same time, it's not going to completely change, I guess, if they're not going to or if they I don't know. But do I if I need to stay in that relationship, are there boundaries I need to set up? Is that what you would suggest then? Because I know if I, I lower my expectations of people it might help the offense not feel so great. So would you suggest that? Yeah, I think boundaries are awesome. And I think maybe you could even ask yourself, what, and maybe this is where you seek wise counsel. I know I've learned so much to say like, oh, our conversations are my offense. I'm not being heard. So a therapist or a wise person could say, this is a conversation maybe you should have with, the person who's offending you. It's an unhealthy relationship. And maybe this is where, how you can talk to them about your, the, the unhealthy cycles, or you can say, I don't know, there's just so much wisdom in having this outside resource that can even give you the courage and the empower you to have conversations to change it. Cause if you're, if you have to stay and you really feel like you need to stay, then there needs to be some kind of change. And if you keep doing the same things over and over again, then there won't be change. And I think too, like every situation is different. And for me, um, and some of my past offenses and trying to do reconciliation, like we talked about, Aaron, reconciliation didn't really work mm-hmm. or wasn't able to have because it takes two sides, right? We've talked about right. that. So, um, and I think I've shared this uh, before, but I want to say it again and again. Uh, I'll say it over again, just for you who are listening. I had to learn a few years back that not everyone is invited into my Holy of Holies. So I might decide that I'm going to set up boundaries for where that person can be. So the Holy of Holies, I'm referring to the Old Testament temple and the structure of it, actually, and the different courts. There were outer courts, there were inner courts, and then there was the Holy of Holies. So someone may have been in your Holy of Holies where you shared a lot of information of who you really are, heart to heart. But because of the situation that happened or keeps happening the, uh, the, that caused the offense, um, 
you may decide that you will reconcile to a certain point, but they won't go back into your Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. So I can choose. That's Again, you're saying we have the power to choose the relationship and where we want them to be. Um, I might choose to keep them in the outer court instead of inside where they once were. So, And then Dad and I had a counselor um, that we saw for a while um, back at our old church, and um, we sat down with him a lot. And he taught me that another thing to do with boundaries is like in the relationship that instead of like letting them be on the inn, the Holy of Holies, how do we treat them? We treat them uh, as a neighbor. I'm friendly with my neighbor, but I don't tell my neighbor everything that's going on inside my heart. But I do talk to her. I am friendly. I do say, how are you doing? How is your family? How is work? But it doesn't go much deeper than that. So I think in the process of healing the offense and healing ourselves and then deciding what reconciliation will look like, um, it's our choice. And we get to choose how we want that relationship to look. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it does. Okay. I'm also realizing that when I have like a good relationship and there's trust and love, I don't struggle as much to forgive and not be offended if something happens. But I do have a hard time extending grace and forgiveness to people that I don't really respect. This is just being very honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so if the people have hurt me or my people, then I have a harder, even harder time letting the offense go. It's because you love us all so well. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't mess with my people. Yeah. But, but, like, so really, honestly, and it's probably my simple nature, if, I, if I'm truthful, if I don't respect you, I feel like they don't really deserve my forgiveness. Well, I think I can forgive, but the, really the offense doesn't go away in my head. Mm-hmm. So maybe then I'm not fully forgiving them. I tend to just want them to receive justice over offering grace in those situations. Yeah, you like keep the tally mark in their head. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want like, to. Oh, I just saw that sad thing happen to them. Serves them right. You know? And I, but I want to be like, oh, I forgave them, but I still know exactly what they did to me. Mm. Another thing that I've just been learning, and again, I credit this to the therapy. <laughs> she talked. We, I was talking about the same thing, like forgiveness and how to do it. And she encouraged me to write down a name, like uh, the date and the name of the person that I'm forgiving, like the date and the time and write down, I forgive so-and-so for doing this. Cause she said, forgiveness isn't, it's the start of a process. And it's not like, okay, I did it. I said it. And I just have to will myself to, to think happy thoughts about this person and extinguish that bad thing from my mind. But no, it's a process. When I feel myself wandering towards wishing ill will against a person who hurt me or hurt one of my friends or seeing them do the same bad behavior over and over again and having no repercussions for it, it's like, okay, oops, catch it. Go back. What is true? I forgive. Like, re-say it again and, and know that it's not one and done. It's not like we're living life perfectly here on this earth. We're slowly one day at a time one choice at a time acting in forgiveness so that's what i was kind of thinking (laughs) and here we sit like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't feel like i wish ill will on people like on that person but it's like if you do something to me i'm like now what are your motives because last time Mm -hmm. it was different 
Right. So it's like I don't fully like want to accept them because I remember the offense they did. Well, you can't yeah. trust them, but you can trust God. And so that's right. where you have to go back, get yourself still, tell God your truth. I don't trust them, and I'm just waiting for them to do it again. And therefore, I don't feel they deserve my forgiveness. It's just it's being honest with God, laying it all out, telling them in your own strength you can't do it, and then just let him pick it up. And he yeah. slowly does it. It just, I know it it's. I know it's seemed- well, and it feels like you when you're. I've been where you are, Alyssa, where you're like, ah, and it's putting it back in our control. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I can't trust you. I can't. It's really hard to be around you. I'm on edge. I'm self protecting, and it's like for me, I was like, oh, it just clicked in my head right now. Like, oh, but God is asking for us to give Him control and yeah. trust Him. That he sees your value as much as he sees their value. And he sees what's happening to you and the deep hurt and deep feeling and wounds. Just as he sees their deep wounds and all the things they're carrying around too. You know, and I'm someone who's offended you. Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Yeah, no. But Alyssa, do you think I wanted to... Do you think we could do a little conversation healing prayer right now about a memory? Like, I think this is such a great question that you bring up about, like, I don't want to forgive because I don't think they deserve it. And I feel really like walls are up around them. And I'm, you know, do you want to do like something for our listeners so they can hear us going through a real life person doing healing (laughs) prayer with us? Sure. And I just Why want, not? Yeah, and I just <laughs> want to say here too, like this is so cool because the more I've done restorative prayer, the more I realize you don't have to be bowing your head and closing your eyes and folding your hands and saying all this stuff. That you could actually be at a restaurant talking back and forth. God is always with us, so he's right there in it. And the questions that Aaron's going to lead you through, Alyssa... We could be doing it anywhere, right? Because God will bring it to your mind. We have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring it to our minds. And the thoughts that come, we trust they're from God. And um, we just go with it. So I love it. Let's go for it. Yeah, and I always feel like when you do it together, other people see things you don't. Right. Um, and so we'll talk. And I'll put these questions on the show notes this month. And if you just want a really basic prayer that you can go through yourself or with a friend, They'll be there for you guys to grab. So, Alyssa, let's talk and do a healing prayer about maybe let's bring up this relationship in the past that was coming into your mind as you are listening to the episodes. Okay. Um, what do you think God wants you to know about that relationship? Um, I think that it felt like I could never get off a hamster wheel of offense. Mm-hmm. And think about yourself in this past situation and just think about actually going back there. And what are the emotions you felt as the offense was building up? And was there a lie you were believing about this relationship or yourself or God? That I'm not good enough and I'll never measure up. Yeah, that's. Was there a root lie that you might think, like something deeper? What is, those are true, but was there something deeper down that you feel like you're believing about yourself? 
I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay, so you know what, Liz? I just am listening to you just start this, you guys. And um, I just went over, I'm meeting with a group of women, and I just went over the categories of lies and emotions, a handout that has like the nine root lies that we believe. And when when you said I'm not good enough or I don't measure up, um, that uh, there's a root lie called unworthy. Um, and when I heard you saying it, it just made me think of it. And I think it was just because I was just going over it myself to share with the women. So Erin, let's put that on the show notes too, mm-hmm. because I think it really helps us. It's, it's got all the lies, the root lies. I think it's like fear, guilt, shame, unworthy, all of that stuff, but unworthy lies, they can be felt as a lack of validation, um, you know, needing to be validated and the enemy or Satan uses circumstances and situations like in our childhood um, to get us to form these lies that we believe about ourselves deep down inside where truth should be. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Does that resonate with you when I say unworthy? I mean, I know that's yeah, like no, a big thing. I can see myself in that, that I like affirmation from other people. I always have like growing up. Okay. And it, I just clicked with me. If you feel unworthy to receive forgiveness and you've put on that unworthiness, it makes so much sense that you believe people are unworthy of your forgiveness mm-hmm. and your trust. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, it just, that's good. you hold people to the same, usually yeah, are acting you how yourself. you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's ask God really quick to give you a memory of when you first felt this feeling of unworthiness. Right. Cause it comes from the childhood, right? Like mm-hmm. what I just said. So okay, the memory that pops in my head is what, I don't know, was I in high school or middle school or, but I played club soccer and you had to do all the tryouts and I made the B team instead of the A team. And it was okay, but I felt like my best wasn't good enough. Like, I wasn't good enough in that situation to be on the better team. Mm-hmm. Oh, but B stands for better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that B team, but yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to that memory real quick and picture yourself as that little kid and yeah. hearing the news, being delivered the news of what team you are on, what feelings come up or and from those feelings, what lies maybe did you start to take on this wrong thinking that you started to have? Yeah, that I was a failure, that I wasn't good enough. Um, I think I was embarrassed that I was on the team with the not as skilled players. Mm. Um, I beat myself up for what I saw as failing. And I, was, I guess I probably assumed that my parents thought I failed too. But we didn't. <laughs> I put that on you. Yeah. I can um, see how the enemy just gets in there, right? Right. Yeah. And that one thing leads to another. Yeah. Of like, I am not enough skilled player to I am not a skilled person. Right. You know how those went hand in hand. And so we'll do really quick. So Lisa did a good job of finding her root lie and seeing where it started from. So I'm going to do two things. I want you to picture the cross in your mind and picture Jesus and um, like just tell people what you see. Where is he? What does he look like? I love when you ask this to people because I think Aaron usually sees this like beautiful background (laughs) and picture of like, who knows, probably like flower. I don't know what you see, but you asked me to see a cross and Jesus. And so I literally see. A black background with a cross 
and Jesus. And it's like Sunday school, look in Jesus every time. <laughs> it's like the, the felt, what is that? Yes, the felt floor. They're like, that's it. I'm like, you you ask, that's all I see. See, guys, it's important what we're showing our kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so break out the flannel graph. I, uh, um, okay, so you've got this picture of Jesus. I want you to picture your lies as an object. This, I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy. What do they look like? Yeah, it's, it's, um, what pops in my head is because probably because we're going to Disney World soon, (laughs) but I feel like, um, the story of Cinderella when she has the dress on and her stepsisters come and they rip her dress off. Mm -hmm. So the dress is, my lies are actually on me and the dress Mm -hmm. is, um, torn and ripped. And I feel like when I walk into a situation, I have a dress on, but then the offenders keep ripping it apart. So I come... I'm coming to Jesus, but my dress is all torn. Mm. Yeah. Can you take yourself in your ripped, crinkled dress and give yourself to Jesus? And what does he do? Um, I picture that he is looking at me with that, like, reassuring smile that Mm -hmm. it's okay that I'm all torn up. Um, And he puts his hand out. And I put my hand as his, and he spins me around. And just like in Cinderella, <laughs> my ga- my dress turns to, like, a beautiful gown. And I think it's like when I picture him, he's smiling, and we're laughing, and I just keep spinning and spinning. Aww. It's kind of like, um, what is that word I'm looking for? Like, the effort in this childlike, lighthearted, mm-hmm. yeah. not a care in the world. Like, who cares yeah. about soccer or what team you are? Right. <laughs> Can I mm-hmm. just say, too, like, because you started talking about the hamster wheel. Oh, goes look, it's around spinning is in my head. <laughs> no, but it goes round and round, and, like, God redeemed it. Yeah. Like, you're spinning round and round, dancing with Jesus. Like, he redeems what the enemy stole and making you feel like, yeah. you know, the lies on the wheel. And now you're spinning with Jesus. Yeah, twirling, that's good. See, you guys, twirling. do this with your friends. Yeah, yeah. I would never have picked that up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. You're twirling with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. No effort, right? Effort. And I I wonder if there's any final truth and, and that he would want to speak over you or any final, like, things that he wants you to know. And this past relationship or where this unworthiness started. Yeah, where what is he whispering to you while you're <laughs> while you're dancing with him? <laughs> you're such a great dancer. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, um, I feel like he's saying, You are mine. When you think no one sees you, I do. When you think no one accepts you, I do. And you just being you with me is enough. Mm. You don't need anyone else's approval. You bring me joy and laughter. I'll stand in front of you and block the arrows. I'll be your knight's armor. Don't let offense get in the way of what really matters. Free that person and free yourself. Oh, wow. Amen. Such beautiful truth he just gave you all of a sudden. (laughs) My mind is just so pictures you twirling and dancing with Jesus and I just let's just pause you guys and just savor it for a minute okay like the the list of dancing with Jesus <laughs> and the beautiful things he's whispering to her in her heart because we all know that the that the enemy is going to try to steal it away and that's what he does to get us to doubt to get us to believe it's not true 
all those crafty tactics, you know, he tries to do to take us down. So it's so good for us to just be thankful in the moment, to give him praise and rejoice in what he's done. And so I do that for you, Alyssa, right now. Um, we have to remember, it's good to remember that the battle is against the enemy and not the person he is using in your life who has offended you. You guys, we need to remember that. It's not against the person who offended you. The enemy, it's against the enemy. The battle is with him. So that's why I believe it's just so important to take our truths and then confirm them with other people and then open up the Bible and look for truth in there because he's got so much for us in his word. In fact, I just finished reading the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. And I know I've talked to you both about it because I was so amazed. Um, and now that I think about it, it fits perfect, perfectly with what you have just said about being seen and putting on the knight's armor for battle because Joshua was getting ready to lead the Israelites into their first battle to take out Jericho. And I just, I don't know if this is to be true, so you all don't go quoting me, but I just imagine that Joshua was thinking he wasn't good enough or worthy enough too. And why do I think that? Because think about it. He was taking over for Moses. Moses who had seen God, had spent time with God, and therefore knew him intimately. And even though Moses told Joshua to be strong and courageous, the Lord was with him. I wonder if he struggled with feeling unworthy too. So what does God do to remind him of how valuable he is to him? He appears to him in bodily form, you guys. Listen to this. This is from, I think, chapter 6, verse 13. No, chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. And flashback, Moses did the same thing. Yeah, he had took off his sandals because mm -hmm. he was standing on holy ground. At the beginning of his... Yes, yeah. So you, it was Jesus, you guys. I did. I looked at all the commentaries and stuff because I wanted to be like, because I cannot believe, I don't know if this is my second or third time that I've read that Jesus came in bodily form in the Old Testament. So he came in person to give Joshua instructions on exactly what he wanted him to do to win the battle and take down the town of Jericho. And I love that he calls himself the commander of the Lord's army, yet he is neither friend or foe. And yes. comes with a sword, but is nonviolent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But he was speaking Joshua's language, right? Because right. right. Joshua was a soldier, and um, he was speaking to him in a way but that Joshua understood. But it just reminds understand. me of Jesus coming then again in, in the New Testament. He comes at the Messiah. They're looking for a commander. They're looking for a ah. king, military. And yeah. he has come not to be a foe to the Romans. He's come to bring peace in the new kingdom. It just is all clicking for me. Yeah, it's all triggering. I love how God does that. And I do. I love this so much because it just reminds us in our situations with the questions we have about uh, those people who hurt us and um, can we forgive and can we let go? Um, it just reminds us that we have Jesus with us too. Like he's mm -hmm. actually in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And not only do we have his presence with us always, but we have the mind of Christ. Just like Lissa went through that 
restorative prayer, she was getting those thoughts and all that was coming from Jesus himself. Um, and so we have the mind of Christ and so that we can get our instructions for exactly what we're to do with our offended hearts and then how we are to respond. So as good as this is, just with Jesus appearing to Joshua, it doesn't stop there, you guys. Listen to the way Je uh, Jesus told Joshua they would win the battle. So um, in chapter 6, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give you one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this is just so bizarre. I, I think, you know, for us, we think, oh, maybe they did stuff like that back in the Old Testament days. But no, you guys, I think it was bizarre for them, too. Mm -hmm. It was so different from how the battles were fought in their time and in their culture. They, ha they had to actually move in the opposite direction. Like, they had to do exactly what God asked them to do, even if it felt weird and out of the ordinary. That's what I'm saying moving in the opposite direction means. It's just doing something totally different than what we thought uh, it would be like. Right. So it's the same thing for us. We sit still in God's presence. We ate, we ate, we ate. We wait to hear exactly how he wants us to approach our hurts and pains, and we do what he puts in our minds to do. And what I love about God is he's so specific. I mean, that marching around the one time a day and then six on the last day and blowing the horn and shouting, I mean, he's very specific. And, I, and the same is true for us today. He will give us things to help us navigate our situations, you guys. When we invite him in, he will go to battle for us. Not to conquer or kill the person who offended us, but to conquer the enemy, Satan, who wants to destroy any meaningful relationships we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was so good, Mom. Thanks for sharing that. I feel I'm like just making it all this connection of like who the man of Jesus is and what he yeah. came to do. And it's never what we think. No. I just, that thing, I am neither friend nor foe is just ringing through my mind because in our situations now with people who we've been offended by, he is neither a foe to them or a foe no, to us. No, he loves them. He, he loves us. Yeah, he loves yes. us all. It is to, he is for all people and, he's, and the flourishing yeah. of all people. Right. And I think that helps us remember because I think we need to, we've talked about it before, we need to pray for those who have hurt us. Mm -hmm. You know, pray for them, pray the best for them, pray blessing over them. Right. Yeah. And it helps us. And many of us have been hurt and wounded by someone. And it's like, he's so kind and gentle to pick our heads up, let us acknowledge our hurt, give us the empathy that we need, and then we can go on and see things clearly from his perspective, like a kingdom mindset. Yeah. So guys, thank you for joining us for this quick little episode. And we hope that your questions we're maybe one of Alyssa's. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we also did hope that we were able to model for you what a really cool restorative prayer could look like that you can go do with the people in your life. Um, because honestly, there's nothing more rewarding than being in community with people and reaching for healing and understanding and moving forward in God together. And so Alyssa, thank you for letting us be a part of your restorative prayer. Thank you for being so open and honest with your questions. We have 
always love having you on the podcast <laughs> yes. and love and are so grateful for you as a sister and a daughter. Yeah, mm. We love you, Liz. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and listeners, we hope that you have a wonderful summer. We cannot wait to come back this fall with a bunch of new topics ready to share for you. But thank you for so faithfully listening to us. We love what we get to do. And we appreciate you. Yeah. All right, guys. You can check out everything we talked about today on our show notes. And we look forward to seeing you in the fall. Bye.